Hey, before this begins, this says re-upload because I already tried uploading this episode and you can probably see it, but it's not the correct audio. So you probably see a uh, news article of someone getting messed up by its ex. <laughs> That's my fault, but hey, hope y'all still can get touched on this message. Appreciate y'all. What keeps us from the evil in the world? Well, people are listening to this. You probably know what I'm about to say. God does. He gives us everything we need. He gives us reason. He he allows us to wake up. He allows us to make choice. But hold on, listen to this. Uh, these four phrases are life-changing for a lot of people. He loves us. He forgives us. He gives us happiness. And he keeps us from being and living a torturous life. During the BC time before Christ, there was a big problem with God's characteristics and what God's personality was. He was a merciful God, meaning that he loves us too much to look at sin and hate you for it. God loved you no matter what, and he wants to give us everything he wants to despite us not not allowing or not deserving of it. But he also is a justified God. He justifies for what you did you've done something wrong then you deserve something wrong you did something good then you deserve something good he are these are the characteristics of god he is a really revelating and sad truth hell is a separation from god Remember all those good things that God, that I was talking about what God gives us? He gives us reason. He allows us to wake up. He gives us choice. He loves us. He forgives us. He gives us happiness. And he keeps us from having a torturous life. You have nobody in hell like that. Hell is a painful, depressing excruciating hold on let's stop at that word excruciating definition excruciating or the root of it excruciating came from a way of putting to death a lot of people during times of the roman times it was called crucifixion crucifixion now no a lot of us know what crucifixion is I mean, our entire Bible is based on it. But let me tell you about crucifixion. Because crucifixion is something that, in our eyes, can help us understand how terrible 
that hell really is. So, during crucifixion, you are placed or you were made to carry your cross, cross beam. You're not supposed to carry, you're not, it's not possible to carry the entire cross because it's like 300 pounds, but you carry a 100 pound beam of wood and before you're beaten first you're beaten and then like let's like remember when maybe you got like i don't know like hit in the head by a ball and you like had that dizziness let's times that by like 100 like a thousand you get beat and you're dazed and you have to carry a hundred pound crossbeam on your back After this, you were placed on a cross. Now, I'm about to describe something terrible. You are placed on a wood, two pieces of wood. You place your crossbeam on the wood, and you lay and you lay on top of the wood. Now, you know the pain of hitting your elbow against something and you hitting your elbow against the wall that hurts a lot right now imagine that but a six inch deep nail goes through that nerve but instead it goes through your wrist it goes through your wrist and the pain can only be described by excruciating the nerve in there as they drive a hammer through it. Not only is it painful that the nail goes right through the wrist, hitting that little funny vein, making that one of the worst pains in human history. People back then would say a torture straight from hell. It's a torture that the devil loves and a devil thinks it's one of the most painful things he's ever seen and he loves the creation that we've made it's driven right through the wrist and the hammer ends up hitting your wrist too maybe breaking a bone like hitting a wrist your wrist too so not only like the beam the the nail goes straight through the verb the Hammer hits the nerve a bunch. Now, imagine that, but done three times. One of your left wrist, one of your right wrist, and one between your feet. Now, during this pain, you were to hang there until you would die from suffocating or just the loss of blood. A lot of people die from suffocating because I always I was always told like how like you die from suffocating, but I never really understood why. So let's let's imagine this. All right, if you don't got like a pull up bar right next to you, then like it's fine. But if you hang on like a pull up bar and you hang there without moving like at all, it's insanely hard to breathe. It's really hard to breathe. 
hanging on a on a pull-up bar. It's hard to breathe and you're not moving at all and you're still. That's how it's like is on the cross. Just like on the pull-up bar, you need to either pull up or just like get off the thing, but get off the pull-up bar. But the people on the cross didn't have that luxury. You know what they had to do? They had to pull up just on the pull-up bar. They had to pull up to breathe and come back down. Now, that doesn't sound that bad. You just got to come up and come down. But the nerves in your legs, you want to be as still as possible when you're crucified. Because just because you've driven through the nail, the nerve, the nerve is still there. And it still feels feeling pain. So once you push yourself up, all the same feeling you got when it was driven through the nail comes back. Now imagine this sequence of coming up and feeling the same pain of it and being nailed into your hands, into your foot, and then coming back down. Imagine that sequence for about an hour, six hours. That, that type of pain and that type of torture is something that we will go through when we leave this earth. That was the truth. That That is the truth. When we die, we will go through that terrible pain. But there was someone that went through the very evil from hell for us. He did it so us, we don't have to go through that type of pain anymore. That pain I've described to you is no longer something we need to care about once you believe that this person we're talking about is Jesus and that he was the one that took the pain for us, took that excruciating pain that the devil loves Discretionary pain that the devil takes interest in. That pain, that terrible things that happen. Jesus took it. Now, who is this Jesus God? I bet a lot of people know this. I bet almost everybody knows this, hopefully. But this Jesus guy was a perfect man. A perfect. He has done no wrong. Like, like, think, like, even as a baby, imagine that, being a baby, not doing anything wrong. He has committed one sin. He hasn't. And he took that pain for us. He did something that we could not do. And be perfect. And it take the very punishment that came from hell for us. But, again, I use a lot of but, but. This is important. It's only... This is really, really like... Only through Jesus is your escape from this torturous pain. Pain I describe for you might be your reality tomorrow. It might be your reality in a couple hours. It might be your reality... This is a scary fact... And that's why most people, most Christians don't want to speak up. Because it's a scary truth. And we hate telling someone that, hey, tomorrow you might go through the worst pain you have held in your life. They experience that forever. But 
I'm here to tell y'all. Only through Jesus is your escape from this. Only through Jesus is your escape. Only through him is your escape from this torturous death. A lot of people look at the Christian community and it's sad to see along. And I understand. I, the whole point of being a Christian is being flawed, but having a person to forgive us for it. That's the whole point of being a Christian. So, we as Christians, we need to not compare ourselves with others, right? So, I understand why people don't want to follow that truth, but... On the other hand, I know the result of not believing in it. Now, what is this, right? When when I'm talking to you, it seems like this God of ours is just a terrible, mean God that only wants us to love him only. And if you don't, you will go through horrible pain that God will be laughing at you while you're in hell and say, oh, you should have believed in me. There's a lot of characters to find our God. And one thing that I think a lot of people look over is his empathy. He loves us so much that when something has wronged you, he gets angry at it. When you're feeling sad and something terrible happens to you, he feels that sad, sadness. He knows and sees your pain and doesn't see it as, oh, it's, it's necessary, it's necessary. Of course, he knows that is true, but he hates seeing us in a terrible place. And he seeing yourself in hell, seeing the children of who he created in hell is the very last thing he wants to see. So what? If that's true, then why didn't this God just take us up and just, oh, uh, I, I don't want you to see you go to hell. Everybody just gets a free heaven pass. You can't. It's because God looked over us. God misinterpreted. God didn't want us to fall for temptation to take that bite of the knowing tree between good and evil. That's God made us different between all the creatures of the earth. He gives us choice. That's why he can't do anything about it. Because he could just wipe us all out and after that just make an entirely new thing. But God doesn't have the, the cruelness to do that. God loves us too much to just wipe us out. He can't. He doesn't see it fit. It doesn't seem like he wants. It doesn't seem right to him because he loves us too much. He's attached to us. So God did something. That was, for him, one of the worst things he's experienced. 
imagine, let's go back to Exodus. I mean, not Exodus, Genesis. During that time, Abraham had ups and downs with his faith and with God. But this time, God wanted to test Abraham. He, so let's describe what Abraham was going through. Abraham, for years, years, God has been telling him that he will be a great nation and years for that he will have many children. His children will be plentiful. But for years, he didn't receive that gift. Abraham devoted his life to the Lord because of this gift. And he finally got, after years of devoting his life to the Lord and falling short from the Lord, coming back to the Lord, he finally got his child. After years of trying and trying and trying, asking God, when am I getting a child? Is my servant going to be my child? Is my servant going to be my heir? Like, what's going on, Lord? Why have you messed up? But he finally got that child he always wanted. And he got... He got all the children too, but this child, he loved so much. He loved him. He loved him a whole lot because his life all led up to that child. And his faith all led up. His faith in the Lord gave him that child. Now, imagine that, but now the very person that promised you a big nation and a person that provided you with that child now says to you, now sacrifice that child to me. Wait, like, like, what? Lord, you've, this does not be your characteristics at all. Are you just playing, like, mind tricks on me? You want me to sacrifice my child now because you just felt like, oh, now I want you to. All that life, all that time I followed you, and all that time I've been waiting for a child, I finally got it, and now you want me to kill it and sacrifice it to you. Surprisingly, that's not how Abraham re repeat replies to him. Abraham follows that idea. Now, it's a lot to the story that goes more in depth, but I want to focus on that part, the amount of love for that child. God, ever since creation, in the first chapter, they mention all three of them. Let's make mankind an our, our, our image, meaning Jesus and the Holy Spirit was there. Jesus was loved by God. Jesus loved God. And imagine sending Jesus to die. The very person that was with God the entire time and watched all of mankind and watched everything that happened and watched all the point towards a person that would save and all the people that he that deserved death. But then your buddy, your best friend, and your son is the one that has to take care of it. The one that has to die for it. It's like sending a baby 
for a terrorist attack. It that's kind of weird and in an analogy, but it's true. They sent a, a son a per a perfect thing, and he died for us for it with it. God loves you. He loves you. Believer and non-believer. He has the same amount of love that he had years ago. 2,000 years ago. All those years ago. He still has the same love for you. You sinner. You wretch. You falling short of God should be your title. But God gives you a new name. God wants to give you a new name. Believers, realize how high the stakes are. All the people that you love and all the people that you know will end up going to the place where there is no God. Going to the place where God is not present. You know those people. Please share. Please. Not from me saying please. But God screaming please. For all of those people to come. And just go. Please experience my joy. Please experience paradise. Please experience it. Please stop being ignorant. Please. He loves you too much to watch you go through that. I hope this didn't come off like a scare tactic. But instead, biblical truth. These things are said in the Bible. And it's scary. But people that are young, just like me, people that are old that go through this, you can be saved. You're not promised a tomorrow. You're not promised a couple of hours. You might not be promised for a couple minutes. And that's maybe I'm going too close to home. But that's probably that's going that's probably going way too deep, but you're not promised all those times. Please devote your life to Jesus. Give it to him. God isn't asking for much. Because someone did all of it for you. Now just receive it. Receive what God wants to give you. Take it. Take on your new name. Take off your old chains. And just lay everything down for him. God loves you. What Jesus did yesterday was for you 2,000 years later. 1,600 years later, all those years later, it was for you. This death and this forgiveness was for you. Take it on and watch God do wonders.